Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast with me, Jason Dean, in partnership with Luno Wallet and Exchange. Here we talk about all things Bitcoin and all things financial and try to make some sense of them. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then I'll give you some contact details at the end of this podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, just leave a comment below. Now, before we get stuck into today's really rather fascinating topic, I just wanted to acknowledge Luno's support in helping make this podcast possible. Luno is one of the world's leading cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges, trusted by over 5 million customers in 40 countries. Now, it's no secret if you follow me on Twitter or Medium that I've been recommending Luno for some time, especially if you're new to the space because it's got this lovely clear setup and it's an easy and secure way to buy, exchange or hold Bitcoin. And actually, there's some other cryptos in there as well, such as Litecoin, Ripple and Ethereum. All you need to do is go to luno.com for the details or download the app from your app store. That's Luno, L-U-N-O. And you can do that on your Android or Apple device. Or as I say, you can just go to luno.com. In fact, if you do do that and you're over 18 and you're based in the UK or Europe, I'm going to give you £10 worth of Bitcoin courtesy of Luno, absolutely free to get you started on the app. And the way I'll be doing that is by giving you a code at the end of this podcast, which will credit your account instantly. But in the meantime, it's great to have you here with me today as we dive into our chosen subject for this podcast. So welcome to today's episode, which is all about Bitcoin's price hitting a new all-time high this week and what's going to happen next as a result. Now, if you didn't know that Bitcoin had hit a new all-time high this week, you're not alone because actually I didn't either. And I was genuinely surprised about this, um, but a Google search confirmed that it absolutely was in fact the case. It's a little bit embarrassing, I suppose, in some ways, because as a full-time Bitcoin analyst and market commentator and economist and someone who looks constantly at the adoption and development of Bitcoin, you would think it was something I would be right on top of. Not only that, but I should have had some clues because my Twitter feed should surely be full of those annoying pictures of Lamborghinis and moons that the crypto community likes to throw at every time something like this happens, uh, much to my annoyance. Um, but it wasn't. And actually, in some ways, I was slightly relieved about that because it is actually quite irritating. But uh, Google search definitely confirmed it. Here it was in black and white, a simple chart showing a wobbly but absolutely undeniable upwards trend line to a new price all-time high, absolutely and totally confirming that the fiat currency equivalent of one Bitcoin has definitely reached a value hitherto unseen in Turkish lira. To be clear, that's 82,925 lira that you need at the moment to buy a single Bitcoin in Turkey, which is the highest level it's been, uh, well, ever, actually, even higher than it was in the 2017 peak. Now, of course, if you reside outside of Turkey, you might be forgiven for being less than impressed with this news. Things may have been different had that been denoted in US dollars, British pounds or euros. You might even be a little bit dismissive of it. But as it turns out, as my analysis showed, that would be a really big mistake. 
The reality is that this simple chart actually brings with it a wealth of data that reveals an incredibly detailed story about global trends, the state of the current financial system, and a stark warning for the future. That is, if you take the time to look behind the curtain. In fact, you might be extremely surprised at what the data reveals, and I can tell you I certainly was. The thing is, Turkey is just the tip of the iceberg. Now, I'll be honest, my discovery that Turkey had reached this new all-time high uh, for Bitcoin was entirely accidental because I'd actually been uh, trying to do a conversion with a different currency and I was, you know, did a bit of a fat fingers thing and accidentally selected the wrong currency. Um, but once I, you know, once you've exposed to something like that, you, you start thinking, well, I wonder what about this one and what about this one? But before we get to that, Let's just consider the obvious conclusions in Turkey's case. So since we know that Bitcoin is usually measured against the world's reserve currency, that's the US dollar, and that current price is just over half of the peak price recorded in December 2017 when it briefly reached $20,000, it follows that any currency that doesn't have the equivalent pattern must, logically speaking, have moved in terms of value relative to the dollar as well as Bitcoin itself. Okay, that's a bit of a mouthful. Let's put it another way. It's clear there must be issues with the Turkish lira because at the peak price recorded on December the 15th, 2017, you needed 75,845 lira to buy a whole Bitcoin. But today you need almost 83,000 lira to buy a whole Bitcoin. So that means, in other words, you need 8.1% more lira to buy something which is, in dollar terms, 45.8% cheaper. So we have a problem. So there's a number of reasons for this, but the main two are probably due to a consistent high inflation rate. Um, Turkey recorded 16.33% in 2018 and 15.18% in 2019, according to official data collected by macrotrends.net. That's a problem in itself, but clearly there's also a loss of confidence in the currency in terms of trading. And Turkey itself is, is not in a great place at the moment on the international stage, which probably isn't helping it. The bottom line is that even if you, uh, as a resident in Turkey, have purchased Bitcoin at the highest possible price recorded so far in dollar terms, you'd still be better off than if you'd let it sit in cash in your native currency and buy some considerable margin. So if anyone ever tries to tell you that Bitcoin is not a store of value, show them the 84,339,067 people, that's the entire population of Turkey, who would surely disagree with that. But is Turkey the only example? Well, actually, as it turns out, it isn't. I then went through and examined every world currency in turn. There's actually 145 listed on Google as exchangeable, and they probably have a definition for that. But that's pretty much most of the currencies on the planet, I would think. And as I went through, it revealed some pretty astonishing data. There are at least five other countries where buying Bitcoin at its global all-time high in US dollars would still have yielded better returns for their citizens than if they'd not acted at all and left their money in the local fiat equivalent. So that's five other countries. That's pretty astonishing. So let's just go through and have a look at them. Now, the first one probably comes as no surprise. That's Argentina. So to buy uh, a whole Bitcoin in Argentina today, you would need 819,604 pesos and a little bit of change, but I don't think we need to worry about that. 
Now, to buy a Bitcoin at the peak in that country was about 250,000-ish, something like that. So that's a pretty dire situation. In fact, the peso is devalued so much that the Bitcoin's dollar peak in late 2017, just it, it barely registers on the long-term chart. It's just been flattened completely. The next one also probably doesn't come as a surprise. This is Venezuela. Um, but you're going to like this number. To buy a Bitcoin now in Venezuela, you would need, you ready? 4,676,287,945 sovereign bolivars. That's quite a lot. And Venezuela's chart is also more complex because it's already replaced its old currency, the Bolivar Fuerte. I don't know if I've said that right. Someone will probably tell me off if I haven't. In August 2018, due to hyperinflation with that currency. But the fact that you now need almost 5 billion Bolivar to secure a single Bitcoin today means that this one probably isn't going to work either. So holding Bitcoin at any time in Venezuela's history, if you're a resident there, using any of the currencies the country has ever used in the last few years would have been an excellent way to preserve wealth. Next on the list is Sudan. And currently to buy a whole Bitcoin in Sudan, you would need 591,153 Sudanese pounds. Now back in the peak in late 2017, you'd be looking at around £150,000. So that is a big old increase. And the thing is, the Sudanese pound has suffered pretty badly from US sanctions in recent years. And of course, also the separation of South Sudan, because that's where most of the oil and foreign exchange resources were. But that doesn't really help you very much if you do live in Sudan, because in any case, you would have been far better off putting your money in Bitcoin at any stage, even including that peak back in 2017, as I say. Next on the list, we have Zambia. Now, I'm going to probably get told off here how I pronounce this currency. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's Kwacha. Um, so that's Zambian Kwacha. But again, if anyone's out there can tell me how I should be pronouncing this, I'm very happy to listen. You currently need 213,819. Now, this one is a little bit closer because you only needed very briefly 200,000. Um, back in uh, late 2017. But of course, you've got to remember that was at the peak. So even taking that into account, it, the currency has devalued heavily since then. Same reasons again, uh, there's a high inflation uh, rate and there's been some quite serious economic issues. But there is one more country, it's a pretty small country, and it's a country called Suriname. Uh, which is the smallest sovereign state in South America. You might remember it more as Dutch Guiana, although, of course, it hasn't been called that since about 1975. Now, it's a pretty small place. It's only got a population of 586,632, uh, if you want to get really precise. But to buy a Bitcoin in that country at the moment, you need 151,236 Surin Surinamese dollars. I have said that right as well. So... That's not too far off the peak of where it was again in 2017. But of course, because we know that Bitcoin price now is, is, is roughly half of what it was in dollar terms, we know that the, the value of that currency must have halved in that time. And in actual fact, we do know that because the way that uh, Suriname actually manages its finances is that it actually pegs its currency to the dollar. 
and it sets the rate um, periodically. And only quite recently, I think it was only in September this year, it changed that rate from its exchange rate. This is uh, from around seven US dollars to 14 US dollars and actually fixed it there. So as soon as it did that, obviously it, it found its way onto this list. So it effectively halved uh, the currency's value when it's measured on a on a on a global scale. So that means already we've identified six countries who are in this position. So what does that mean? Well, let's just look at it from a purely numerical analytical point of view, first of all, because there's a few conclusions we can draw from this. So those countries represent just 4.14% of the world's currencies in number. So it's quite easy just to kind of dismiss them as erroneous. You know, we probably might think, oh, they're just the usual suspects, you know, typical them, so on and so forth. And that's very easy to do that, especially if you're sitting in the comfort of your first world warm home while you do so. Of course, it's not quite so easy if you're in one of those countries going through this, because you've got to remember that these countries have a combined population of 220 million 790,000 people compared to a global population of 7,816,446,000, at least according to today's data from worldmeters.info. So measuring it that way, they account for 2.82% of the entire world's population. And this is where it gets serious because it's easy just to think of that as a number, just a, a statistic. But it's not really. These are real people whose wealth has been all but wiped out. And this is probably due to no fault of their own directly. So, you know, for your own good, don't try the whole Bitcoin is not a store of value argument with those people, because from their perspective, it absolutely undeniably is. But this also emphasizes, especially to me, why Bitcoin is such a game changer on a local and global level, because until recently, none of those people had a viable alternative when their governments go awry. Because, you know, the only other option really, if you're the man on the street, is gold. And I've talked about this many times in podcasts and some of my articles. But gold is viable-ish, but it's not a real option really for the average man on the street. And there's lots of reasons for that that I don't intend to go into again today. Bitcoin, however is a real viable alternative. And history has shown that even when it was purchased in the period during the only few days in the asset's history, when it wasn't profitable to do in most other currencies, it will still work in this particular case. And that's a pretty powerful revelation. But even that pales into insignificance when you compare it to what I discovered next by carrying out this analysis. So I carried on doing that research the same way I started it. And it soon became clear that there were actually many other countries who were also very close to appearing on that list as well. In fact, my self-chosen methodology of selecting the countries that had only found themselves worse off when compared to the various, very highest Bitcoin price possible had actually necessarily excluded them. So let me put that another way. So benchmarking only the worst case scenario had actually meant that they'd escaped being on that list. But what would happen, I started to wonder, if we were to broaden those terms very slightly? So that is, we'll take a look at the countries whose currencies have now reached parity in Bitcoin terms to that peak in 2017 or are just about to. So there's lots of examples of these. Let's just take one for the moment. Let's take Brazil. So 
The currency in Brazil is the real. I think that's again, that's how you pronounce it. I've never been there actually. I'd love to go there, but uh, if someone could tell me if they have, I've pronounced that right, I'd really appreciate it. So in December 2017, which was our peak that we keep referring to, you needed 64,642 Brazilian real to buy a whole Bitcoin. Now today, you need 59,965, even though Bitcoin is almost half the dollar price it was then. So that's pretty close. That's 92.76% of that total. In fact, on August the 7th, you needed 64,035, which is 99.06% of that amount. So we're already pretty close. And if you look at the chart, the trend is pretty conclusive. But of course, we're still comparing to just those few days where this peak was held. So at any other time, therefore, holding Bitcoin would have been a better bet than holding the local currency. But even then, Brazil is not alone. The same result can be seen for the following currencies. And I'm going to try and do all of these in one take. So here we go. The Liberian dollar, the Pakistan rupee, the Ethiopian burr, the Ghanaian CD, the Haitian gourd, the Icelandic krona, the Kazakhstani tenge, Colombian peso, Namibian dollar, Saicholi rupee, South African rand, Swali lilangali, that's the kingdom of Astwani, and Uruguayan peso. Now, if we add all of that up, that's another 14 currencies in all, which represents another 9.66% of the world's total by number and another 732,531,000 people, which is another 9.38% of the world's population. So let's add it all up and see what we're looking at. It means that 13.8% of the world's currencies have performed already worse than Bitcoin or are just about to, and 953,321,000 people, which is 12.2% of the entire population of the planet, would have been better able to preserve their wealth even if they had bought Bitcoin at, or very close to, the top in dollar terms. Now, I don't know about you, but I found that to be an absolutely astonishing statistic. I even had to go back and check it um, several times, actually. But it should be clear that Bitcoin becomes a very powerful asset for people who find themselves trapped in a currency that is devaluing rapidly for whatever reason. Effectively, buying Bitcoin puts the devaluation of the wealth of the individual on hold. So not only can this wealth then be simply transferred out of the country beyond the control of any official body, it can be transferred back at any time should it be required for the equivalent value in purchasing terms of the newly devalued currency unit. So, for example, if you buy a Bitcoin or exchange your fiat currency for Bitcoin at the rate of, for example, 100 units of that currency for one Bitcoin and your currency then devalues, say, 10 times over, you can simply buy back or exchange back, in other words, your Bitcoin for that same fiat currency at the new equivalent purchasing rate. In this case, that might be a thousand units of the same currency. So effectively, you've used Bitcoin as a vehicle to get from one point to another really efficiently without losing any purchasing power at all, even assuming Bitcoin itself doesn't appreciate in value during that time. Now, of course, Many people have already realized this. I've got no doubt, really, that many more will as well. But perhaps the bigger question raises concerns about where we go from here. Think about it this way. 
This means that from a standing start, it has only taken 11 years for Bitcoin to become a better store of wealth than nearly 14% of the world's currencies. And that's using a measure that is the best case scenario for those currencies. If we were to get really strict, that number would be significantly higher. One thing is for sure, that new all-time high that prompted the research for this whole article and this whole podcast will certainly not be the last for the Turkish lira, the Argentine peso, the Pakistani rupee and all those others. But how long will it be before we see the same thing with a currency that might be closer to our hearts? Especially if we, I don't know, started printing it at an unsustainable rate to deal with, for example, a global pandemic. Well, that's the question, isn't it? How long indeed? Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments or questions on this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jason Aideen. Or if you'd like to know more on the subject of Bitcoin and finance in general, then join me on medium.com forward slash at Jason Aideen. Don't forget that E at the end of Dean when you're typing that in or you won't find me. Now, if you've been waiting patiently for your £10 of Bitcoin, here are the details you need. All you need to do is open the Luno app and type in the code I'm about to give you. Now, I should say, if you haven't confirmed your account yet, you should do that first. It only takes a minute and it's easier to do it that way around. You do that by going to profile, settings, verification, and it's the usual mugshot and ID that you use on all banking apps these days. And it's usually processed within a couple of minutes. Once you've done that, you just go to the section called Rewards at the bottom of the screen, press the Enter a Code button and type in the following. P-D-U-K-1-2-X. So that's Papa Delta Uniform Kilo 1-2-X-Ray. And that's it. Your £10 in Bitcoin will be credited instantly. If you're in Europe, it'll be the equivalent of £10, so that's about €11, Euros, I think, at the moment. Now, you can just use that to play with the app and explore it, but of course, you can buy more Bitcoin easily once you're set up and go from there. I'll leave you with that, and I'll see you next time on the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast.